We're sitting here after the 10th consecutive RBA rate rise, a 350 basis point increase in 10 months. We're recording this episode of Australian Property Talk minutes after the RBA announcement. We're going to go through why they did it, what data sets came out this month, what it points to for future RBA rate rises, and what impact is it having on the housing market? I've got Curtis Stewart with me. Let's have a chat. How's it going? Yeah, pretty good. I mean, it was pretty widely expected, so no no great tragedy or like anything too unexpected. So yeah, life, life kind of goes on, yeah, that's which is true. the vibe I'm getting from a lot of people. Um, but yeah, maybe we can get yeah, into that later. That's true. I, I think um, there's inflation, uh, interest rate increase fatigue and perhaps some inflation fatigue going on. Um, we're talking about this for the 10th time in 10 months so, uh, or 11 months. Um, so that is probably what's going on here. Um, you know, Talk me through it. What's, what's happened? Um, run me through what have the RBA done and why have they done? Yeah, so as I said, kind of widely expected, but another 25 basis points um, and essentially inflation's too high. Um, I think there are some other, uh, it hasn't been that many data releases this month to go on, but um, I think in their statement, you know, they refer to some other data metrics that are starting to soften. Um, but in reality, you know, inflation's their, I guess, key metric. So um, they're yep. not in a position to stop tightening until they get that moving down, basically. Yeah. Um, so they're starting to see some signs of the economy softening, which is, I guess, kind of what you would expect. Um, but from their perspective with their remit, um, you know, yep. essentially nothing to do but tighten further yeah um and maybe soften their language a little bit around future tightening but um yeah from my perspective i think that's what's kind of become clear you know mm. from rate wires one way back when to like the 10th go now um mm. they're very very f- focused on um you know inflation potentially at the expense of other indicators yeah for sure i, I think that's the summary i i take out of it inflation and its importance to the central bank mandate and the price stability to the economy in general is uh, the message of 2023. Um, I think the RBA is doing a speech tomorrow. I suspect that's going to be the message, the cost of inflation and why they need to go and potentially even batter the Australian economy to get inflation back down. So explaining and communicating the cost to um, Aussies, I think that's going to be the message from tomorrow. It's the message that they're delivering through February. Um, across the month, data has been weak, fairly weak, um, showing that the economy is slowing down. Um, GDP data got released. Um, it was a little bit softer than expected. Um, you know, it was buoyed by the external sector, but domestically, um, what's going on here, uh, not not so strong. Um, GDP per capita was at zero um, for the quarter. Uh, probably expect this um, to happen with interest rate rise to happen, uh, to, to have occurred. Um, employment data was a little bit weak as well. Um, unemployment went up. They referenced that in the statement itself yep. today. Um, monthly inflation data, um, they, I think this may have been the first reference to monthly inflation um, or one of the first references in, in the RBA statements, um, came down from 8.4% to 7.4%. I tried to go through the detail there. I couldn't find much. Um, there wasn't all that much to that release. Um, uh, rents are starting to play through in that um, inflation set too. Um, building approvals down nearly 30% for the year. Um, lending data weak um, while migration levels are soaring. So that's really the summary of the data piece that came out through February. Um, all of it trends to you know a weakening economy. Um, but the RBA have woken up this year and made inflation uh, absolutely the central issue and have pretty much expressed that patience on it. 
is going to be quite limited um, and they'll keep increasing interest rates even as the data weakens um, to do what's necessary to get inflation back down and ensure that it's temporary using the words that they that they yeah. put out in their statement. Yeah, and they mentioned in the statement too that, you know, they expect growth to be below trend and they're expecting unemployment to rise. So I think to me they're kind of flagging that, you know, we they're, they're acknowledging the impacts of, yep. of what they're doing are going to be like some of those, um, you know, economic metrics are going to get worse mm-hmm. and they're saying that's what they expect. Um, you know, that's not a surprise. It's not something they're balancing up. That's just a byproduct of what they're doing and that's to be expected in their eyes. Yeah, exactly. Um, rather than, you know, something that you, you know, way up being like, oh, do we factor that into our decision-making on what we do at the next meeting? It's just kind of like, no, that's that's just what happens as a result of targeting inflation. Yep, yep, exactly. Um, so what does this mean for lending? Let's unpack that a little bit. Um, so borrowing powers are now down close to 35% um, since the beginning of the rate rise cycle. Um, Discounting's increased a little bit, so it's probably close to 30 to 35% for first-home buyers and anyone without any debt. Um, APRA came out this month with their review on the prudential buffers that they have, um, and they pretty much said there that that uh, 3% assessment buffer is going to remain until facts change. Um, they referenced high DTI lending, but they used the September quarter data of 2022 um, in that uh, uh, report um, so that the facts will change with um, high yeah. DTI lending. Um, that's it's pretty hard to get DTI above five now on our assessment. So um, you know the number of people getting above six is going to be very very small, um, if any. Um, and investor borrowing powers have just been um, kind of obliterated. That's just the, the fair summary of it. Um, if you are an investor with existing debt, or if you're a home buyer with existing debt looking to invest, and you have a high LVR on your loan and a sort of fairly normal income, um, you'll find that your borrowing power has fallen even more than this thirty percent level um, because the debt that you have is costing a lot more, and it's yeah. being assessed uh, really harshly. Um, so. That's the lending summary, and we're seeing that in lending data. Um, you know, new lending data has, for, has basically nosedived. Um, you know, refinance activity is up, of course. Um, all these fixed rates are expiring, and a lot of people yeah. are looking at their loans. Um, and those that can refinance are probably taking advantage of all the cashbacks out there. But new lending data is down uh, a fair bit. So that's my summary of lending. Um, how are you seeing it? Yeah, pretty it pretty similar. And, you know, it might be something that we unpack on in future pods, but we're seeing there's less um, less options, basically, particularly for investors who have large amounts of existing debt. Um, previously, you know, smaller banks, um, there were alternative lenders that offered a bit of a borrowing power yep. boost or a borrowing power solution that you couldn't get from kind of the major banks. Um, but because of the way that 3% buffer is flowing through servicing calculators now, um, essentially because they have higher rates, um, they're not producing the same increase in borrowing powers. So mm. um, the options for people who hold existing <coughs> debt, it's a lot It's a lot harder to take on more debt just as a starting point. Yep. Um, and there are less kind of tools in the toolbox to get creative and find a way to access more debt through another channel. Yep. Um, those sure. options are kind of being closed down too. So I think, yeah, you know, that's kind of what I'm seeing um, you know, we get to see a lot of this in our business, yeah, you know, working yeah. mainly with investors, is that, um, yeah, those borrowing, borrowing power numbers are down. And, you know, when people are being like, okay, well, if it doesn't work with, you know, these set of banks, what are the alternative options? It's like, well, they don't 
they don't really work the way um, the same way they used to and don't deliver the same results anymore. Yeah, exactly. And that's just a function of high interest rates, high cost of credit. Um, that's just feeding through to these lenders. And also demand for these um, products just down a lot. When, yeah, when well, they... if, you, if you're above a couple of percent above market rate, when market <laughs> rate's 2%, you're like, ah, whatever. But when market rate's yeah. you know, five and a half. Um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, you're paying nearly 7% to access credit here. It's pretty hard to find property returns above that. Um, and, you know, borrowing power calculators aren't particularly strong with these lenders when um, the rates that they're applying begin at seven um, before the assessment buffer kicks in. So um, there's far less demand for these non-bank um, prime sort of products. Um, so that's, you know, clear credit history, um, non-bank products that offer much more borrowing power. We did a lot of that, that type of lending in previous years, but um, demand for that has come down and accessibility to credit has come down for these type of um, profiles. So um, it's really just the way the, the math, I guess, plays out on the, the servicing calculator, which is, yeah, maybe something we'll unpack in more detail yeah, in the future if it's of interest to anyone. Yeah, let's do that. <laughs> let's do that. Um, one thing that we've just talked about, though, is what is going on? All of the things that we're saying is, you know, RBA increases interest rates by 350 basis points. Lending is really hard. New lending is coming down. But, you know, we're not experiencing that day to day. And anyone in the property industry, particularly in Sydney, will know this. It's kind of hot out there. Um, last weekend was perhaps the strongest weekend in nine or 10 months yeah. after 350 bips increases in the interest rates. Like, it's nuts, um, yeah. you know, and results are really, really strong. Like clearance rates, final clearance rates, not preliminary ones, are tracking at 70%, um, which correlates to growth figures, like it previously correlated to pretty close to double-digit price growth correlation, um, which is a bit crazy um, given the conditions that we're talking about. And um, I suspect in March there'll be another positive read of the CoreLogic Index. Um, started off a bit slowly for the first week, but I suspect it'll um, show a positive result by the end of the month. Um, and you're seeing it as well. Like, yeah. you know, the ch chats that we're having is like so many people want credit. Yeah, and, you know, even just, uh, you know, catching up with a few of our clients that have pre-approvals at the moment over the weekend, you know, someone, there was a, for a you know, relatively inner city terrace, um, yep. you know, buyer's guide was like 1.7. They went to the auction and it went 2.25. So, like, mm. yeah. So, um, there's a, few, a lot more conversations like that where, um, yeah, it's kind of, selling for way above the the guide now where previously people were, you know, picking it up at guide or, you know, it was being passed in those types of things. Yeah, so, exactly. Um, and, yeah, like you say, most of the conversations I'm having now, which I do find a bit bizarre given the, like, lending conditions and the interest rates yep. um, are people, yeah, really trying to get their borrowing power to work to take on more debt to purchase. Yes. Like, obviously, it's a good, you know, a good window to try and purchase um, yes. given prices are falling. Um, but yeah, I, I would say it's definitely skewed a little bit more to the people trying to access more debt and potentially frustrated that the calculators don't allow them to, yep, um, rather than concerned about what the burden of that debt will you know do to their day-to-day -day position. Yeah, of course, of course. So what we had is... Um, you know, over the past couple of years, we've got some backward data on this is, you know, 75% of borrowers um, weren't going towards their maximum to actually obtain a loan. So that's uh, that DTI of six um, above that, you're probably starting to approach your maximum. So 75% of borrowers were below that DTI. And then, um, you know, you're getting to about 60% of borrowers below a five, uh, below a four DTI. So, um, you, now the DTI possibility is that you can actually obtain are around that five 
benchmark. Um, so uh, that top 25% can't even get it anymore. Yeah. Um, and then we're starting to approach the, the you know, middle 15% here. So the number of people trying to seek to maximize their current credit arrangements is increasing because the, the they've reduced the amount that you could have. So by doing so, more and more people are, are approaching their cap and some yeah. people are approaching past that cap and having to revise their expectations as a result. So yeah, yeah. Um, I would say I've noticed maybe a little bit of a shift in attitudes though. Admittedly, we have a fairly small sample size for, you know, the whole Australian market or Sydney. Yep. Um, but, you know, over the last three months, you know, I would say the majority of conversations or the focus of people has been, you know, understanding what their, you know, repayments are yep, um, and getting a handle of, on that and making sure they're comfortable with that. Um, of course. Whereas now I'd say over the last maybe two, three weeks, um, I think a lot of the focus of the conversations that we're having with, you know, customers is how much can I borrow and what can I purchase yeah, for? Yeah, of course. Um, and not so much what does the repayments on that look like um, because I need to factor that in. It's more, I'm more interested in what I can buy. Yeah, exactly. Um, which exactly. given rates are increasing, I don't quite know what has precipitated that shift in mindset, um, but mm. I think it- 2023. I, I, yeah, maybe, <laughs> but I, I think it's definitely something I've noticed. Yeah, that's um, true. And potentially is playing out in the kind of like the, the sales data that we're seeing in Sydney um, it's not just the you know yeah, customers that we have. Um, it seems a little bit broader based than that. Yeah, for sure, it's fairly strong. Uh, I'd flip this around and say it's two speed though. So um, you know you're dealing a lot with our new clients coming into the business. Um, speaking to a lot of our existing clients, um, so these are the people that have already obtained loans. Um, there's pressure on households, a lot of pressure on households. Um, you know, it's obvious. You can pick up the newspapers, uh, watch a YouTube video. It's clear that households are under pressure at the moment. But we're starting to see that seep through into employment conditions as well. So, um, you know, we've had a lot of conversations with borrowers who are worried about their job, in between jobs, potentially lost their jobs. Um, they're worried about repayment rises. They're looking at their investments and, you know, running their ca- cash flow calculations and, and determining that maybe they need to sell their investment properties to hold on to their own occupier properties. They're, you know, having conversations with us more desperately coming to us and saying, hey, I'm in trouble. What should I do? Can, can, can you help me map out a plan to get through the next year or two? Um, invariably, a lot of these people have equity um, in their investment properties, and, and that's kind of the, the choice framework they're making. Um, but it signals what Aussie households are going to be facing, particularly Sydney households and, you know, even getting a bit more specific, um, households in um, Western Sydney, um, so where you have, you know, homes tracking values well above a million dollars, high LBR lending is concentrated there and their young families. Mm. Um, that combination with rising interest rates and a deteriorating employment market is a little bit, uh, you know, difficult to balance. Um, so that's tricky. Um, it's being offset by so much migration demand happening at the same time. So the fundamental of housing is fairly strong. People want the housing yeah. um, it's whether they can afford it um that that's that's the change that's happening so um at some the current sort of lending and housing conditions up as two speed there's the people who don't have debt that really want to jump in into the market they might be seeing value at the moment they might be comfortable that the rate rise cycle is nearing its end and they want to come in that's what you're seeing yeah yeah and then the flip side the existing borrowers who are a bit panicked with their fixed rate rollovers and you know higher higher repayments and um changes in employment markets going on um that's the that's the other side um so it's a little bit of a rebalancing that's happening at the moment um 
Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I, I just find it's interesting because I would say over yeah the last six months, there hasn't been so much of the that mindset of, you know, really looking to max the borrowing power out and push things. Um, you know, mm. I've seen that come online more recently. You know, personally, I'm probably more on the other camp of, you know, running the numbers on my debt being like, yep, I'm comfortable with it at, you know, whatever rates will go to when my fixed period rolls off, but I'm probably not interested in taking on more debt, you yep. know, until things, you know, until the cycle kind of plays out a bit more. Yep. Um, but so I'm more in that, I guess, mindset in my personal investing. But yep. yeah, I think um, I just found it interesting that over the last, yeah, maybe three, four weeks, um, there has been that kind of shift that I've noticed. I um, mean, attitudes for the yeah. people when they're thinking about this, they're not kind of in that mindset. They're more in yeah, a, exactly. yeah, it's time to buy kind of mindset and yeah. I need access to debt and, you know, how do I get it? Yeah, um, yep. yeah. that's true. With the investing hat that I put on, um, the the difference with all these interest rates isn't so much the cost and the holding power from my perspective. Um, you know, I think that's just cash flow management and part of the yeah. risk management. So that has dialed up a little bit. So you just, for me, I just adjust my numbers accordingly. I increase my buffers um, to factor in higher interest rate rises, change the numbers around, um, you know, shortfalls are occurring month on month on investment properties. So, you know, adjust my financial um, modeling around to account for that. But for the new borrowing part, the tricky thing, and um, Christopher Joy wrote a brilliant article that sort of highlighted the mindset of um, investors at the moment is, what return rate do I need to actually go and shift my mindset to, to I want to go and invest? Um, that's hard to meet at the moment because yeah. the borrow rates are so high. They've shifted the hurdle rate so, so high and the financial conditions are so tight that property itself means it's tricky to achieve those hurdle rates. And once you add in the risk premium for taking on the risk that you're yeah. doing when cash is, you know, yielding 5% at the moment, um, it's actually tricky to find returns above that, or, or it's getting trickier at least. Um, you know, there's opportunities everywhere, everywhere, always in every market, of course. Um, it's just I'm finding that balance a little bit trickier than usual. So it's probably um, waned on my investment appetite a little bit at the moment. Um, so if I could invest, what would I invest in yeah, is, yeah. is, is be, tricky. Yeah, you'd want to be purchasing some really top quality assets that fit your criteria for what you're yeah. what you're looking for. It's probably not a, you know, as much of a you can just kind of buy anything and take your market return and yeah, exactly. happy days kind of vibe. Um, exactly, yeah. Yeah, you need to be a bit more selective because like you say, the the returns you need to justify the costs, um, you know, it's it's yep. a bit of a tougher proposition. Yeah, exactly. And and the more you invest and the more leverage you take on, the higher you dial up those risk frameworks. And it means that the negative servicing position that you have month on month to just meet these repayments gets bigger because you've taken on more debt, which means your buffers need to be bigger as well. So um, it kind of compounds a little bit. Um, so that is tricky. Um but at the same time, there are opportunities across the city um, that represent decent value, I guess. Um, and Sydney, uh, the the beauty of this, yeah, and it's a long-term beauty, is it's a city that is rapidly changing. It's a developed economy. It's one of the best places in the world to live in, and its population is rapidly expanding. And it will continue to expand in my lifetime. Um, and that um, those people are going to be homed in infield development areas. It's not just going to be out going west, west, west. Um, yeah. uh, so that presents opportunities for land itself. It's going to increase in productivity over time. Um, by that, I mean, you know, houses will turn into apartments, a little bit like Monopoly, and that presents opportunity for landowners. Um, so uh, that is like 
a key part of the story as well. Um, and those those opportunities are out there. And perhaps in the rebalancing that's occurring through the year, that there'll be more of these opportunities out there for for investors to seek. Um, so that's something that I invest in. It's something I enjoy investing in. Um, and it's kind of a general high-level advice I provide. Um, it's not our space. We stick to lending, but that's just general high-level personal investing that's come through. Yeah, yeah. It'll be interesting to see how sentiment, I guess, progresses over the coming months because I yep. can't see lending conditions easing in the like in the short term. Yep. I think it's going to be, you know, several months before there's any real movement on that. Yes, exactly. Um, so, you know, obviously, you know, in 12 months it could be a con- con- totally different scenario, but I yep. think, you know, in the coming six months it's unlikely conditions are going to ease much, if at all. Yep. Um, you know, if there's changes to the APRA buffer, that's probably not in the next six months, I would say. Yep. Um, you know, if there's cuts to interest rates, it might not be in the next six months either. Yeah, that's um, probably a bit longer, yep. Yeah, yeah, like more towards the back end of the year. Yep. But, yeah, like six months takes to like yep. September. So, yeah, I, it'll be interesting to see how that develops as, um, yeah, I think those these current conditions are going to remain, you know, there's a bit of a time lag before there's a shift to, you know, easing. Yep. Exactly. I'm going to put one outlier call out there. Um, employment data comes out on the 16th of March, I believe. I mean, hopefully I've got that right. Um, so that's the Labor Force survey. Um, this month, I think this is just reading the winds, gut feeling. I think this is the data set that will worry everyone. This is the one that actually triggers holy moly, interest rates have bitten and they've bitten hard, stronger, faster than anyone expects. I think this is going to be the first data set that comes out this year that is a proper shock. Like it's not going to be a small shock. It's going to be, wow, we've just added, you know, X thousand of people to the unemployment line that um, happened yeah. much quicker than expected. I think um, I've always kind of had this view that the the economy is going to uh, crack a little bit um, with all these rate rises. Um and all the soft information that we're getting. It's just too many phone calls now, too many yeah. people telling me that they're worried about job losses, too many people telling me yeah, about... The companies, you know, you know, doing redundancies. Exactly, yeah. Um, you know, I like guess that. the IT sector has been impacted particularly hard. But, yep. um, yeah, more and more calls that we're getting for people saying, you know, there's job losses in my industry, in yep. my company. Exactly. Um, yeah. And I'm going off the, the pulse that I've said. I started... We started this podcast. One of the first things I said is we get a pulse of the Australian economy first. Um, it's a really weird thing to say and believe, but it's just something that I feel like we've got um, being in credit, speaking to you know households, dinner table type conversations, and being a little bit like of a confidant to people um, and hearing their concerns and their wishes and their dreams and their hopes um, and how you know their finances play a role in all of that. Um, Overall, for the past seven years, by and large, been a positive story to that. Um, but the messages that I'm getting from so many people indicate that the employment market is starting to um, uh, so, soften, yeah. yeah, a little bit. Um, and this is the first data set that measures January. It's it's the first um, 2023 data set that comes out. Um, inflation data came out just recently for January, um, but that's monthly. It's very limited sort of scope there. Um, more more information will come out there. Um, in April, I believe, um, that's when the quarterly releases. But 16th of March, I pencil that in in my calendar. At 11.30, I believe, ABS data set's going to come out. And that's going to be the day where the headlines are, you know, <laughs> the RBA have battered the economy. Um, I suspect that's going to be the day. Or it'll be the 16th of April or the 16th of May. Um, and if it's not the 16th of March, then you can ba- you can pretty much back another rate rise, I think, Um it- 
next month if this employment data set isn't weaker. Um, so my early, early call, way too early call, um, is that this data set is going to be weak and it will slow the, the rate of um, rate rises and market expectations of where rates go and it'll reduce the terminal rate. That's going to be my early call at the end of this podcast. Completely theoretical, made up, um, you know, yeah. listeners don't hold me to it because I make a, a lot of calls that are just really, really unpredictable in nature, yeah. but just enjoy making them because it makes my day yeah. a little bit more fun. So I've got the same call, but for a totally different reason. So I think, yeah, there's won't be a rise in April, but the only reason wow. I think that is I think, yeah, some soft employment data, but I'm pretty sure I said, like last pod that this would be the last rise. Oh, really? Did you? So I don't want to <laughs> change my like view now because if I turn out to be right, then yeah. like I want to be able to cash in and take credit. So Do you want to go further? Just, let, let, I'm going to stick to it and like ride it down like the Titanic. Yeah, let's have a small little bit. I'm, I'm going to say something completely unusual here that no one's expecting. I'm just going off the statement of monetary policy that came out this month. They, they had 373.75% as, as their cash rate. So maybe to slow it even more, maybe they go with a 15-bit rise and come up with that even number and then, you know, turn the cash rate to 375 rather than 375. It's like a poetic way to conclude the rising cycle is to like reset it to your like standard 25 big increments, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So maybe they'll do that. Um, uh, that would probably be, uh, you know, 20 to 1 call at the moment um, or, or something like that in terms of odds. Yeah, um, yeah so. That'd be a yeah, very theatrical way to, yeah, I'd say, yeah, Philip Lowe's in it more for the lols than at that point. Just, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm out of here yeah, in yeah, a few yeah. months. Let's, man. Do, let's do 15. Why <laughs> yeah. not? Yeah. Um, so, get it back on the nice brown numbers. Yeah, I, I think that's an unlikely call. But, if, you know, if the odds were good enough, I'd bet on that. Um, so, <laughs> so um, yeah, that, that's a summary from us. Um, just complete off-the-cuff uh, pod today on Australian Property Talk. Um no notes, nothing scripted. We just had a chat about this rate rise. It's just, you know, minutes after the rate rise has actually occurred. So, you know, we're just digesting the information. We haven't read the news. We haven't looked at what other people have said. You know, it's just two extra guys having having a chat about what we think is going on with the economy, um, you know, and hands are, hands are not tied. We're not yeah. You know, working for a big institution here, we can say what we want. Um, it's uh, just based on these sort of readings that, um, you know, the employment data will be weak. That's kind of what we're saying. Um, and this may be the last rate rise from Curtis nice, Stewart yeah. himself. Uh, I think there might be one more, but um, uh, yeah, like but yeah. that's the summary. Basically, yeah, there's a bit of a break between the third and fourth test. So we've got some time to like sit down and chat economics before <laughs> like, our minds are occupied again. <laughs> Cheers. We'll see you all next week. Thanks for joining in.